Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
this is Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. Happy Tuesday to all of you. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. I hope it all went accordingly. Uh, I have missed all of you very much. Um, Our last show was on Wednesday, and uh, we had a lot of good shows last week. As always, uh, I want to thank, you know, all of our special guests uh, from last week, um, our amazing audience, our sponsors, uh, my co-hosts, who I have one one of my co-hosts on the line right now, Josh Halavate from Ohio. How are you, my friend? What's going on? What's going on? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, man. Good to have you here. Um, And, uh, you know, there is a lot in the headlines today, everybody. Uh, We do have a lot to get to. Um, uh, As always, you can find us on many different platforms, to name a few. Uh, Stitcher, Player.fm, iHeart, CastBox, iTunes, um, Radio Public, TuneIn. Um, We are all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. We're on, like, over 30 or 40 different podcasts and, and radio platforms. And, um, you know, just so much fun stuff going on, so much to look forward to. Our audience keeps growing. Um, you know, I uh, am just so happy with all of our amazing results and, uh, you know, everything we've, uh, you know, accomplished. Um, it's, it's an honor to come to you on a weekly basis and shine light and uh, all of us give our our insight to uh, to you guys, and uh, I appreciate all the, the great feedback from everyone as well. Uh, but today's show is huge. Uh, we have comedian, a popular talk show host, political activist, public speaker, pol- um, best-selling author, and a contributor to Fox News, Washington Examiner, Breitbart, Huffington Post Live, CNN, and the BBC, um, Tim Young. Very famous guy. Very famous guy, and I'm a, a Having him on is um, extremely uh, exciting. I, you know, I uh, am very, um, you know, happy and, and looking forward to, you know, all the questions that we are we have for him. And he's popular online right now. Um, you know, he's getting millions of views and all his stuff. And, you know, he's definitely, his voice is making an impact, and it's significant. We'll also have, um, as, as, as usual, um, uh, where's my notes? Oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Lives at Daily Surge in the Hill. Dan Perkins will be calling in. We'll also be having a historian, I, ISIS and Al-Qaeda escapee, political activist, political strategist, and best-selling author IQ Al-Razuli will be calling in, uh, which we're very excited to, to, to talk to him as well. Um, but let's first get to the breaking news. The headline, obviously the caravan. This whole caravan thing, guys, don't don't get this twisted. This, please understand that it is not a conspiracy. That this is a total setup um, and totally orchestrated, thought out, planned. Two weeks before the election, you've got thousands of these animals uh, trying to come to our border and you know cross. Uh, without any sort of, you know, legal authority. They, they are so entitled. You know, they think we owe them something. They think because their country is not providing them the proper, you know, assets and, you know, uh, amenities and skills that they need, that they can come here and intrude on us Americans. That's not how it works. 
You know, we give so much financial aid to these countries and to these, uh, you know, these foreign uh, leaders uh, for their people. And a lot of it, sadly, with the corruption of the, the politicians, is stolen and not utilized properly. And it's a, it's a crazy thing going on right now. And, you know, we have the, the breaking news that, according to Mike Pence, the Honduran uh, president uh, was told him that Venezuela is funding the migrant caravan. Um, you know, I am not doubting that. Um, I'm also thinking it's George Soros as well that's doing a lot of this. And for people that don't know, which is crazy, uh, according to the news, uh, which we don't know if this is a publicity stunt just for George Soros to attack the right, but he had an explosive device delivered to his New York mansion uh, as of yesterday. Um, and, you know, there was, there was a weird story behind it. Like one of his housekeepers or somebody on his property found it and tossed it. I, I mean, usually if you find an explosive device, you don't touch it. Uh, you know, apparently he threw it in the bushes or something, and then he called police. But if it was something that serious and, and that you know, uh, significant and, and crazy. Why would you even go near it? Something doesn't add up there. But going back to the caravan thing, um, this is just insane to me. This is total uh, invasion. This is uh, communism. This is, uh, you know, this is everything you can think of that is turning into bad news. And we all know the Democrats need the votes. They need the votes. This is why they're doing this. They are so desperate, and they know Trump is is on a roll right now, and uh, you know they are doing whatever trick in the book they can uh, do and pull. Look what they did with Kavanaugh, something that didn't even happen 40 years ago. Complete lie. Uh, but Josh, go ahead real quick, and then I'm going to introduce my uh, special guest, uh, uh, Tim Young. But I want your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. You know, in my eyes, I guess I don't really see the benefit of it all because. Other than, other than them coming over and actually voting themselves, this definitely isn't helping with any of the people in the middle of the country. I mean, uh, you know, it isn't like the, this is a bunch of, oh, you know, the poor, you know, people trying to cross the border. These are a bunch of people who aren't really, you know, they don't seem to be the most disenfranchised uh, of anyone. Uh, so I'm not really sure why the Democrats would try to pull this, um, if, if they are, if they indeed are, because it doesn't, it honestly seems to hurt them more than it seems to help them. Right. Good, good point. I, I do want to welcome our, our very first special guest tonight. I'm very excited to have him on. He's a very popular dialer right now, doing very well, uh, gets millions of views on his, on his show, on his videos. Uh, he's, um, uh, he's a big, big popular guy, comedian, popular talk show host, political activist, public speaker, political strategist, best-selling author, and a contributor to Fox News, Washington Examiner, Breitbart, Huffington Post, CNN, and the BBC. Tim Young, how are you, sir? Man, that, that made me sound way cooler than what I am. Thanks, man. <laughs> you, you, are, you are more than welcome. Um, it's, a, it's a truly an honor. Um, and, uh, you know, I am a big fan of yours. I watch your show. I watch your your videos. Um, I, I love your standpoints. You know, you're you're very fair. You know, you just report it uh, as it is. You know, you you just give you get you put it all into perspective. And you know, you're doing a lot of big things right now. You have your new book out. Uh, you're still doing comedy shows. Um, you're you know, like I said, your talk show is doing is huge right now and all the all the you know uh, channels that you uh, contribute to so you're all over the place brother 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. Like, you know, I, I just kind of literally my handles, Tim runs his mouth, and it's, it's worked. And it's weird when the plan yeah. works. I don't know if you've, you've probably experienced this too. And it's like, wait, if I just talk, people now pay to see me talk. And I'm like, hey. And then there's a lot of pressure when you actually think about it. And you're like, wait, I, now I have to be entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and you have, you know, Tim, you have this whole, you know, significant and very creative and unique, you know, script. Well, well, well I, you know, like the way you do your show every episode, like, like you do, like you're just so prepared. You're so well, you know, thought out and put together. Well, it's, it's odd because when I'm doing it, I, uh, I write it that day. And so, like, I don't have much time to think about it. You do it, you go out, you perform it, and then you're on to the next day. There's, like, there's such a quick turnaround, and it, it takes uh, a lot of preparation and a lot of just kind of living in the news cycle, which I think a lot of people have to be nowadays to be up on this stuff. And, and seeing how stupid people are uh, regularly uh, every day is kind of uh, – it's my job now. Uh, to see how how dumb uh, people are and how and the dumb things that they say. Yeah. Oh God, Jesus Christ, Tim. I mean, they're they're all over the place. I mean, I can't even believe some of the things that are coming out of uh, the mouth of some of these people. I mean, it's pure ignorance. That it. I mean, it doesn't get any more. Uh, they don't. Sound, and it doesn't get any more stupider uh, from from some of the some of the things I hear. I can't even believe my ears sometimes. Uh, but what I what I really want to get into, like with all of my guests. Uh, you know, tell us your life story. Tell us how. Tell us how it all started. You know, tell us about you. I mean, your, you know, uh, just your bio. I mean, I'm very curious. Well, I'm I'm just your uh, run-of-the-mill jackass that grew up uh, pretty poor in, in Baltimore <laughs> City, uh, in in the hood. I'm a white guy who grew up in the hood, which is kind of fun, and people never believe that because they're racist. Uh, but I came up very poor, very middle class. Uh, was raised on conservative values and principles, which were uh, self basically working for yourself to, to pull yourself up. You're not waiting for a handout, um, you know, knowing where you are and, and just working hard to get out of it. Uh, and, and thinking that everyone is equal. I'm, I'm not sure why people uh, think that, you know, other people are privileged or not privileged or things like that. But like, you know, it's, uh, I worked up through that. I started uh, comedy, stand-up comedy in college, um, did it for a while, got to work in politics at the same time and finally put two and two together and uh, did it all at once. And it worked, especially during the last campaign cycle. Uh, you know, I gained something like 110,000 followers from 2015 to 2016 on Twitter, and uh, and became kind of a, a thing. That was it was kind of crazy to me when I was watching that happen. Yeah, and, and you bring up, you know, you bring up a really good point. Uh, you know, just a second ago when you said how you know you you started this, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, these political ventures and it's speaking your voice you know, when Donald Trump basically announced when all this, all this stuff started, right? Well, it was before that, but, um, and actually in 2012, I did an art, uh, an interview with, I believe it was the daily mail, uh, in, yes. in London. And, and they asked me who the perfect candidates would be, uh, as a comedian watching from the outside. And I said, it would be Oprah versus Donald Trump. And uh, I was real <laughs> close. I thought we were going to get that in 2020. I, I thought she was going to throw her hat in and I'd be rated some sort of predictor genius here. Um, but, you know, people started to get sick of the, the political, politically correct culture, and I didn't go too far uh, crazy with things, and I, I stay informed, and I make sure that all of my things are uh, informed and, and nasty and snarky, but appropriately so. No, absolutely, and, you know, you, you really, 
you know, just just how you've gotten so heavily involved. I mean, you know, explain the, you know, the work ethic and the routes you took and, you know, how you got to, you know, where you are in terms of all of your millions of views for, you know, maybe audience people that my, my audience that, uh, you know, is probably very uh, inspired right now and wants to do the same thing. I mean, what what's your secret, man? I mean, you, you uh, not you, sleeping. You, you know, you you, you told me you were just some, you know, just like all of us, we're just basic dudes one day, and the next we're all over the Internet having our own TV show, and we're doing well for ourselves. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I have this crazy concept that, I, you know, I think that I can actually do anything that I put my mind to, and I think a lot of people can as well, um, but I work yeah. my butt off. Like, I absolutely don't sleep. I've, I've certainly um, cost myself things like relationships to, uh, to move forward and do this stuff because this is all I want to do, and I'm not going to be happy if I don't accomplish it. So, you know, there's, right. you put yourself in the right positions, you work nonstop, you don't brag about what you do, you let your work speak for itself. And that, that's something that I've done here in town in particular is work my butt off and people catch on to that. And then like, uh, I believe it was two months ago, I was invited by the House Ways and Means Committee to do a video for them. Actually, it was the 4th of July to do a video for them to talk about tax reform. So I had the House Ways and Means Committee pushing a video on me and it was retweeted by Paul Ryan on, uh, on the 4th of July. So my face is the top of his Twitter feed on the 4th of July and I'm like, holy crap. You know, you sit back and you're like, wow, these are like, you know, here's the third most powerful guy in the country and the world, basically, uh, with my face at the top of his Twitter feed, you know, promoting uh, positive policy. And, like, that, that doesn't come from sitting on your butt all the time. Like, I, I have a very uh, regimented schedule. I like to tell people that I can sleep in till like, you know, 1030 in the morning, but that's only because I'm up till 4 a.m. at night. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of hustle. Well, absolutely. I mean, 100%. I mean, you, you always have to be on top of things. You always have to know what's going on. You know, uh, the news, um, you know, is just nonstop 24-7. Um, I do want to get to, you know, I do have a lot of things to discuss with you, including your book. But, uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, I want to go back to something you said that I thought was really interesting. When you were talking about what, what time again was it when you really blew up, or, uh, you know, second fold kind of you said from 2015 to 16 i think yeah mm -hmm. you know you know this something interesting about that was during that time there are a lot of people basically most of the country left and right they were running around with their head cut off or just saying the sky is falling the sky is falling instead of going out and doing something you were one of the smart people you saw instead of seeing panic and you know oh my goodness the world is coming to an end because hillary's winning or trump's winning you went out and you saw opportunity, and not only did you see opportunity, you made opportunity out of crisis. You know, when a lot of people were sitting back, you know, being afraid of the, uh, you know, inevitable either way, you went out and you made something out of those people basically not going and living their dreams the way that you were. You know, kind of, kind of speak to that. What, what, what do you have to do to kind of get in that mentality so instead of getting afraid of stuff like that, you go and act instead? Well, the difference between a lot of me and a lot of comedians that I came up with, because I've been in comedy for 12 years now, but, you know, when you say you've been in comedy for 12 years, I've only been seriously doing this for a living for probably three and a half, four now at this point. Um, but before that, you know, you view it as a business and you view it as a job. And when you see it as that, you know, I, I avoided drawing super hard lines during the election. I didn't like Hillary. I was very clear about that. But on the Republican side, I didn't draw hard lines. I wasn't going anywhere. I was ready to support whoever came forward. Uh, and one, 
And so I keep it open like that, but I also look for things. I've, I've been offered by two places now, um, two very big publications, to be their media editor, and I turn that down because I'm able to find videos and work hard to find things uh, in the pits of the Internet that people haven't found. And one of the things that I found during that election was a video of Michelle Obama uh, denouncing Hillary Clinton because she couldn't keep her house in order, a.k.a. Uh, yep. Bill Clinton cheated on her. And I, that was actually brought up in the second debate by Donald Trump. And like, so I created, albeit a small blip, that is something that got like 25,000 retweets or something that I found that like put me on the map. And I had like legitimate reporters start following me. Like, who the hell is this guy? Where is he finding this stuff? And, uh, and they start reporting on that. And then they start quoting me places. It's, it's crazy to me um, when, you know, it's, it's just being out there knowing these people and then having their respect for my opinion and my very short opinion um, especially when it comes to media, people quote me a lot. No, I, you know, I, I love that. And, you know, it's, it's that, I mean, it's that insatiability, like you said, you know, you not sleep. Uh, you, when you don't sleep and you're working, guess what? Things all of a sudden start happening. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's, and it's being able to put up a quality product regularly as well, which is, is hard to do. Um, and, uh, and it, it's just wild to me. So, like, you know, here, here in D.C., which is a major media hub and a, a major media market, in the middle of that 2015-2016 uh, political season, I was invited to host the, uh, the Congress versus Press Spelling Bee at the National Press Club. I was then invited to uh, host a, uh, like, the political debate watch party for the local network here, Fox 5. Um, and since then, I've been a regular guest on Fox 5 DC, and I've done, like, I think, like 200 hits or something with them. Um, and I've, I've made a crazy name for myself where they, they basically allow me to be part of their kind of, like, relaxed uh, media show on Friday nights from 1130 on. I'm, I'm on for, like, 20 minutes a night, which is kind of crazy to me and, and crazy to a lot of people that I have, like, I can do whatever I want on TV. They expect me to just show up with no bullet points and just screw around on TV for 20 minutes. It's amazing. That's, that's, I mean, that's, it is amazing. And, you know, uh, Josh, did you have anything, did you want to say anything in return to that? I mean, I'm sure I'll come back to something, but I know you got questions asked, so I don't want to hog your time there, Roy. Yeah, um, Dan, Dan Perkins, go ahead. I know I want to, first of all, I want to introduce you, Dan, but I know, I know you have questions as well. Um, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Flash Daily, Live Stat, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Uh, Dan, I, I, I know uh, you have some thoughts. What are your thoughts? I was, I was impressed at the young man's comment about research. Um, I've written four novels, three children's books. I write for 15 major blogs. I do 40 to 60 interviews a month in radio and television. And you have to do your homework. And when I see these yeah. people who can't get their facts straight on television, it just pains me that they're, that they're sitting in front of the camera and they're espousing things that they have no factual base for. And so they're not reporters. They are uninformed commentators, but they're not reporters. Uh, I spend an enormous amount of time researching whatever I do or whatever I say, and I got the impression that this other 
our guest is the same way. To be factual and be correct is important to him, and I I, I wish we had a lot more people in the media, especially the news media, whatever that means today, uh, who had respect for journalism and for the principles and the ethics of journalism. But uh, unfortunately, they don't. Right. Yeah, very very well said. Um, and, you know, Tim, I want to go back to, you know, you've, you've, inter- you've walked through the streets and interviewed people. You know, you've uh, interviewed people all over the place. Um, and, you know, you're very I, – I love, I love the attitude, too. Your, per- your personality is perfect. I mean, you know, and, and you, know, you know what you, you, know, you do very well, very, which others don't, is that you bring, you know, comedy – you know, kind of a, a personality towards the stuff stuff you explain. Too many people these days are too serious, and too many people are offended by stuff and all the political correctness. And I'm sure as a comedian, you know, you've experienced that. Um, you know, but but talk a little bit about that. Well, people to the line, um, you know, they they want to be as politically correct as possible and not offend people, which is crazy to me because there's some very good comics who aren't good anymore because of that. When you see like a Sarah Silverman who was hilarious as a mouthy person who now has pulled this liberal line and now everything is serious and offensive to her. It's crazy to me that she's quote unquote evolved into this horrible character. But like for me, I have policy uh, that I want to drive, but you won't catch it on the front end. The front end is me making people laugh. The back end is me sneaking in the policy. And, and I was just told that the other day by a, a pretty respected news anchor here in town in Washington, D.C. He goes, one of the funniest things about you isn't that you're humorous up front. It's that you sneak in jabs and actual policy points in the middle of what you're saying. And that's my goal. And that's you make it what fun. a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. That's the whole thing is you trick people, you know, you put the medicine in, in sugar. And so you, you trick people into uh, catching what you're saying, which is, is my entire goal. A lot of folks who want to be conservative comics and do things like that, go very hard, stunty, go very, um, angry with things, and then they get serious and they lose that they're supposed to be funny first. Me, it's always funny first. Uh, although during the Kavanaugh thing, I got a little fed up in my Twitter. I was, I was pretty direct with stuff on my Twitter and, uh, because I was just sick of the, the mob mentality. But um, I, I've, I've uh, warmed back up to being funnier now that we, we won that one. Yeah, and, you know, you, you, have, a, you have a brand new book out, and it's called – I hate Democrats. I hate Republicans. So from, from, from the way it sounds to me is you're pretty neutral. You, you pretty much just go with what is accurate, what's right. You know, because let, let's face it, there's a lot of dipshit Republicans. Uh, you know, that D.C. is filled with them. Our par- my party is not perfect, the conservatives. I will tell you that right now. So it's, you know, is that kind of the message, what you're sending? Like you're just on, you're, you just go by results. Yes, and it's, and it's policy by policy with me. It's not party. Uh, although I tell you what, man, the, the angrier that liberals get, the more I'm pushed to the conservative side. And I think a lot of people in America uh, are seeing that and are feeling that because you're like, wait, I'm not, I, I don't know what team I'm on, but I'm definitely not on that team that's harassing people at restaurants. Like that's not my and I think we're going to see that in this upcoming election. But for me in the book, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, let's go with the, um, the Donald Trump saying, you know, grab her by the pee on the bus. Let's just go with that. That instance in particular, not a great, not a great deal. You know, who cares? You know, it, it was locker room talk, whatever. 
But you can't be upset about it and then worship that phrase the way the left has. And I start off the book by discussing uh, doing my reporting and being stuck in the middle of the women's march and looking around and seeing that everyone there was either saying something more disgusting or literally worshiping at the throne of that statement so that they can themselves react to it as negatively or as uh, worse. It, it was just crazy to me the hypocrisy when you take a look at that situation and you go, wait a second, how about both sides are wrong here? And like nothing is, nothing is correcting itself that way. And people can't realize that they're wrong and they don't want to change from that. So it's, there's a lot of that kind of rhetoric in the book. And really my messaging in the book is, look, you take a look at the media that is basically a circus and just there to entertain you. You take a look at both parties that have failed in two different ways. You take a look at the left that has some great things to say, but terrible messengers. You have a look at the right. They have great things to say, but again, terrible messengers. And at the end, it's all about personal responsibility and, you know, getting up off your ass, doing the research yourself, and being an intelligent human being. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very well said. And, you know, that, that it's so true. And, you know, with I want to, before I go on about this, you, you at the Women's March, all them wearing pussy hats, and you and stuck in the middle of, you know, and I've always said, let's face it, the feminist movement, it's entitlement, they need validation, they are deeply insecure, and they are massive hypocrites, and they, it is nothing but pure ignorance. I mean, that's just that's just the facts, and I can only imagine how you felt surrounded by a bunch of those animals. <laughs> well, I mean, between that and, like, you had people that had, like, uh, like human-sized tampon puppets that they were like, and it was like, what in the hell are you guys doing? This is absolute insanity. But I'll tell you, like, to, I play off of those types of characters because uh, I had a slow week on Twitter last week, and for the fun of it, I tweeted out, I bet a lot of feminists don't know why they're single. And I had people like Patricia Arquette and, uh, you know, lots of these like uh, crazy blue check marks, the blue check mark uh, pussy hat mob uh, attacking me and making me famous. And uh, uh, Kirsten Powers from CNN quote tweeted me and got a bunch of, I, and I had all of the people who hated them start to follow me. I got 700 new followers overnight because these, these people fell for the trap. I will tweet things out there to just troll them. They'll attack me and they'll make me more famous. Yeah, and if you if you read the comments, I mean, on some of these posts, I mean, sometimes I cannot stop laughing. Like I am on the ground laughing at you know how some of these people go back and forth and how angry they get, and you know just how sensitive some of them are. Yeah, and and the fun part is too. They think you're reading them, and sometimes I do, but for the most part, I'll click the mute <laughs> button on people. So I'll have hundreds of comments on things where I'm trying to troll them, and I'll never see anything that they said. So they think that they're coming after me, and I'm literally just collecting the, uh, the metrics on it if you want to get really digital marketing on that. And on the back end, I'm getting you know, hundreds of thousands of views on this tweet, and I'm not seeing any of the hate. And they're literally just yelling into an echo chamber with themselves. It's really fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jesus. It, it, and it is one of those things. Like, they think that what they're doing with their hostility and with their, you know, they march, they march. And you see all, you know, it's insane. You know, and, and they think they're, it, it's like a little child pouting and, and crying because he didn't get his own way. It, it, it's just something that has totally 
been a cesspool in our society. It's sick. It's, you know, I've never seen people behave like this before and then try to justify it by saying, like, and it's oh, not well, just, Donald Trump said one line one. It's not real, – real quick, I, I want you to continue, but it's not just the feminists. It's the people on the left that, like you said, that are going into restaurants, the ones that are burning buildings, burning cars, uh, Antifa. I mean, we, I could go on and on. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and uh, – it's mind-boggling to me that people are behaving this way. And, you know, and, and they're going and – imagine what it would take. Take a look at somebody like uh, Ben Shapiro, who is, you know, he's a very intelligent guy. He's a little weenie nerd. He's never hurt anybody. He never says anything negative about anybody. He's not hateful at all. And people are, like, burning things down to protest him and protest his free speech. Right. What, where's the logic at in that? Yeah, and the double standard. Imagine if we did that to a liberal. They'd be saying, uh, imagine if we did that to, like, a black liberal. Because look at what they're doing to Candace Owens. They banned Candace Owens uh, from what university? There was, there was some university that she was recently banned from forever. They will not let her speak there. But imagine if they did that to a black liberal. I mean, they'd be screaming racism all day on networks like CNN or, you know, all of these other networks. And, and Ben Shapiro is Jewish. So imagine if he was a liberal and they said, oh, you can't speak here. They'd be calling, uh, oh, these are anti-Semites. I mean, they'd be saying all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the the, on the flip standard, side, you have the double standard. You have Louis Farrakhan, what was it, last week? They called uh, the Jewish people termites. I mean, this is, that, that's unbelievable to me. It's absolutely disgusting to me that that kind of stuff, that people get away with that kind of stuff. You take a look at Kanye West, who came forward, you know, as a Trump supporter, and uh, I mean, you had Don Lemon crying and, and saying, you know, uh, his, his mother's rolling over in his grave. I could never imagine invoking someone's dead mother to knock their politics. That's a real low. That's a low, low place. You're absolutely right. And I discussed that on my show last week, how Don Lemon sunk, actually sunk to that level where you're trying to say, you know, just because a guy's thinking for himself – and is waking up to the reality and supports our president that, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. And, and you know what the sad part is, is that the CNN viewers is they buy into all of this. And I've always said, if you watch CNN, it just makes you stupider. Same with MSNBC. You just get dumber and dumber because this, there is no logic. There is no, there's, there's just no, Talk. I mean, that's reality on the on these channels, and it's pure bias. It's like well, you know, I, I cover that in the book, and Go ahead. oh yeah, no, I, I cover that. In the, I cover that in the book, and and my point in the book is this: like people are tuning in to watch these networks not for news; they're tuning in to watch their heroes beat up weenie versions uh, and and almost caricatures of the opposing. They party. want to hear and, what and that they happens. want to hear. <laughs> yes. And, but, but I'll be honest with you, it happens on both sides. So you take a look at Fox News, and, and right, Fox is in the entertainment business too. Uh, and, and you have like Tucker Carlson, and you're not putting up, number one, no intelligent uh, member of the left is going to go up against Tucker Carlson because they know they're going to lose. They know that he can control the conversation merely with his face. Like he can just give you an ugly look, and you look like an idiot when you're talking about your point. It doesn't matter what you, what you do, what logic you have. But the same thing is for, uh, you know, CNN, where you go on Don Lemon's show, and, you know, it was like Paris Denard would go on there, and I think they've got, like, Jason Miller and a couple of the other characters. 
the, the guys who represent the right on, on those networks, on CNN and MSNBC, are really goofs. And they go in there and they say whatever talking point they're supposed to say, and they're hired and given these contracts because they know that they're going to get their asses kicked by the host on the show. And the, and the host can, you know, basically have clippable moments of them kicking their ass. And it's literally like pro wrestling in the 80s when you'd have, like, a big star come out, and uh, he'd be up against a no-name, what they would call a jobber or a little weenie guy, so that he could do all of his little signature moves and his, you know, poses and his, his catchphrases, and people could go, oh, wow, I want to go buy that guy's T-shirt. It's no different than what's happening now in media. Oh, oh, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and you look at – you just look at all the – the scary thing about all of this is that all the false information that it's fed to the public and all of the, you know, that's what leads to all of these uh, riots in the street and all of this craziness. And when you have politicians saying to attack Trump supporters, you got Eric Holder saying to kick them, kick them. And you got Maxine Waters, harass them anywhere you see them. I mean, you got all this nuts and this insanity it, oh my God! It, it won't stop. If a Republican talked like that, they'd be crucified forever and forced to resign. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think one of the big problems that we have now is that, that that we're allowing the left to set the rules and we're playing by those rules, which doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure why we're complicit in these rules being uh, written and and enforced by the left. But that that's where the right is losing a lot. And uh, again. Why I hate Republicans. One of the one of the big points of the book is you're letting them say that you're racist. You're letting them say that you're sexist, misogynist, Islamophobic, blah blah blah, and you're not fighting back. You're playing into that <clears throat> trap. It's a big mistake. But it's a, it's oh, a yeah. trap that's been a, been there for forty years. It's the Democrats, whether they were in power in terms of elected power, in the White House or the Congress controlled the agenda through the through the the democratic playbook and every republican senator or congressman or president who came to washington was given the playbook and it was how they were supposed to act when uh when the democrats wanted them to do something and if they did something outside of what they should have been done they knew that they were going to be attacked by the, uh, the democratic party and they were going to be uh, uh, assaulted and that they would either have to resign their congressional position or have to go away and cow on a corner. And that all changed, I believe, that all changed with the election of Donald Trump because he threw out the, the playbook, threw out the playbook. I agree. And you can, he had nothing you to see, lose. Right. But, but what happened was is you, you're seeing now after two years, uh, and I think the greatest example, or two great examples of the Democrats uh, being assaulted by the Republicans, that was in several of the House committees where the Democrats tried to take over the, the committees and were yelling and screaming, and the Democrats stood up and basically told them to sit down and shut up. And then in the, in the Kavanaugh supplemental hearings, uh, when they the Republicans, which I thought was a capitulation, that was a mistake of bringing in the prosecutor to or the investigator to to do their questioning. I mean, eleven senators passed to this particular person to ask their question because they were afraid of insulting. But when uh, when it turned the other way, and you had Lindsey Graham go after go after the Democrats, uh, I think that was a, a very serious moment. And 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 
and I've written about the the, the way they, the the Democrats treated. Uh, um, and I said in one of my commentaries, I said, "Is, is it really? Has, have we sunk so low in our judicial process that the number of farts that you had in high school determines whether you're appropriate to be on the Supreme Court?" That's what the Democrats yeah, did in, in a supplemental hearing, and and um, it was not a great day for America. And it wasn't a very good day for the Democrats, uh, but wasn't a really good day for America. And and I think right. that the, the Republicans, I will say to you, and I've said this on Roy's show before, and I've written about it in some of my commentaries, my greatest fear is that we will, in fact, be successful in the midterm elections. And we will control the House and we will control the Senate. I don't think there's any doubt about the Senate, but there is some concern about the House. Although I don't disagree. I don't think there's a blue wave at all. I think there's a possibility there's a red wave. But what I am concerned about is that if you look at at the response of riots in the streets the day after Donald Trump was elected, I've said to Roy uh, on this show that I believe if the Republicans retain control of the House, there are people going to get shot after the midterm elections. It It does look like. Because after Kavanaugh was confirmed, it got nastier. It does look like this is going to be uh, a crazy – something's going to happen if Republicans yep. uh, c- continue their leadership. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, I, it, and, and it, it, it will, if that happens, uh, I suspect that it may be the end of the Democratic Party. Could very well be. Uh, yeah. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, just to, just to speak on just to speak on that, the danger of you know being a Republican uh, who's elected right now, you know, especially one that speaks, uh, is kind of scary. You know, I'm a I'm a 20 year old from from Ohio, and I plan on you know being involved in politics for the rest of my life. You know, if things if if God decides to direct my life that way, and you know, this is something now that I'm thinking about. You know, is this really, you know, there's a potential of, you know, me, me facing not only public ridicule, ridicule, but potential, you know, death if I pursued, you know, running for an office. Um, I, you know, I guess, you know, I don't really know where to, where to go with that. You know, is that I, you know, it's worth, it's worth me standing for, but, you know, it still doesn't take away the reality of the situation. Yeah, but there's a there's a there is a turn that's taking place. I think uh, we had a situation uh, last weekend where Mitch McConnell was in Louisville at dinner, and somebody stood up in the in the restaurant and started to attack him. What was different and, and this not, time that let's, never let's happened? Not, let's not, yeah, and and that in that situation too at McConnell, and let's not forget about Kevin McCarthy's office was just hit with a, a boulder. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Somebody threw a boulder at his office glass window. Right. But what happened in Louisville is other patrons stood up yes. and shouted down the antagonist, which I find uh, refreshing and encouraging that that other people, other citizens who are not politicians, are standing up and say, I don't want this. This, is, this doesn't belong in my country. This is not the way that we treat people that we elect to represent us. And so there may be, much as the Republicans started to get some backbone when Donald Trump came in, maybe the American people. And and what is the easiest way to deal with a bully? Force him to back down. 
And I suspect if we if 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 the right starts to stand up for their senators and congress congressmen and becomes more aggressive, I think you'll see some capitulation on the left because the right is not acting the way the playbook says. The playbook is gone, so is their power. Um, Tim, I mean, what, Tim, did you? What are your thoughts? No, I agree, and I think people are just sick of it in general. I think you know, um, I've done some shows recently where uh, there were some older. Uh, so I did a couple of fundraisers in Baltimore, and there were some uh, elderly women who were there to support a, a friend of mine, and they had voted Democrat their entire career, voted did not vote for Donald Trump, voted for Hillary Clinton, and they told me that they were going to vote straight. Uh, straight Republican this time because they can't stand the way that people are behaving on the left. But I don't think the left understands, you know, because they're in their bubbles uh, and they're in their media bubbles and they're getting applauded by people in these bubbles. And it's a loud sound because they, you, you have your blue check marks and you have your uh, radio and TV cameras and whatever all around you. It's a very loud sound in your echo chamber uh, telling people that they should go argue with other people and get in their face and ruin their meals. But as soon as you step away from that, you look at normal human beings, and normal human beings don't want to behave like that. They don't want aggression, and they don't want it to get physical. So they're losing these, the people again in flyover that they lost under Trump because they weren't paying attention. And they're, they're doing it again, I think, in a much harder way. And I think what we're going to see, not just this time around, but in 2020, isn't necessarily people flipping sides and going Republican from Democrat, but Democrats who just are apathetic and not voting, and they're like, hey, look, this isn't my team. I'm, I don't belong to and, this anymore. And, 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 Tim, you work for the mainstream networks. You work for the big networks, and you talk to hundreds of people a day on the street or, or, or people, you know, you, or, you know, whether it's in the studio or around office buildings or whichever city you're in. What are you hearing? Like, you just made up a, a good point about how, um, you know, these Hillary, people that voted for Hillary Clinton are now going to vote straight Republican. And I've said on my show many times, the reason so many people are running away from the Democratic Party is because they've gone so far left and it's so communist, socialist, like there's no moderate left anymore. There's no uh, Joe Lieberman. There's no J. There's no JFK. I mean, no, JFK was more of a conservative Democrat, but he was aligned with Trump definitely. But the moderate, you know, of, of the Democratic Party, I mean, it, it, it's gone. And that's why people are leaving. But, you know, you gave, you gave us just, you know, one example. But are there many examples of people you talk to that are, are saying the same thing about leaving the Democratic Party? I've heard it from many of my friends and, and folks who interact with people in the middle of the country. I, when I go out, and I'm going to be going on a book tour pretty soon here, and, and it'll be after the election, but unfortunately. But uh, taking a look at it and, and hearing what I'm hearing from people, it's the same across the board. People are tired of violence. Nobody wants violence. Nobody wants to be yeah. harassed at dinner. People are right. logical, and they realize that what goes around comes around. They don't want to be a part of this, and they don't want to be associated with this. That's just, it's just common sense, and it, it's common decency with people. I know the left likes to use the term civility to kind of look down on people who they call deplorable, and that's, that's their big term. It's like, I'm civil, and you're not. It's kind of the way that they do it. This is just common sense. People don't want to get beat up. People don't want to have you know, their, their private lives interrupted, and they respect people for being elected, regardless what side they're on, and people aren't going to stand for that. I got to ask you a question. I have to, I have to ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sure. amazed at what you, I'm I'm amazed at what you're saying because if I understand you correctly, 
you, you, Washington is your home base. Yes. Washington has got to be the most left-leaning city in terms of the population of anywhere in the country. Well, maybe not as bad as Kate. Pardon? 90% black, right? Is it 90% black? No, that's, that's, that is an old stat, but it's, it's 93% Democrat. So in, in one of the most liberal cities in the country, in your line of work, you're telling us, and I'm not disputing it, I'm, just, I'm excited about what you're saying, is that in the, the most democratically controlled city in, in the country probably, that the citizens are tired of the Democratic Party. Yes, and I, I take – it, it's very interesting. Yes, and, and uh, wow. it's not just there. You, you take a look at things. So when I was – I take public transportation everywhere. And I, I talk to people everywhere that I go when I take public transportation. So under Obama, it was very interesting uh, talking with some African-American folks under Obama who were upset and said, hey, wait, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed here. This, is, this party's done nothing for me. They promised me hope and change, and nothing's changed. We're still in wars. We're still poor. Our, our situation isn't getting any better. So if you take that conversation from them and you take a look at where we are now with tax cuts and everything else and jobs and a record low unemployment, on top of watching that party that promised you the world now becoming violent, just, just put it together. Like folks are tired of this. They, you know, they may not have liked Kavanaugh, but they certainly don't like people being harassed and beat up. So if you if you look into your crystal ball of your experience, um, how bad will the election be for the Democrats, or do you believe it will be at all? So I know I, I would absolutely say the Republicans are going to pick up Tennessee, uh, and and I believe and I've. In, in my crystal ball, I think Republicans lose a few seats in the House, but still maintain the House by five to eight seats. I think it gets really and close. If you're, if, you're, if you're right, and I, I think you're, you're pr- probably pretty close, I'm a little more aggressive than you are, but, but I, I have great concern that, as we talked a few moments ago, the, the emotional letdown – I mean, I, I, I have said in, in, in many commentaries – uh, long before, m- months and months and months and months ago, the pundits are going to sit at the same desk that they sat at in 2016, and they're going to be asking the same question. How is it possible that we lost? Only this time it's going to be more devastating because all of their hopes and dreams about being able to impeach Donald Trump are going to be dashed, and they, well, and they have no real agenda so their agenda will be destroyed. I, I, I have grave concerns about what the Democrats are going to be able to do uh, to, to save their party because I, you know, I think Pelosi's gone, and I would think that Schumer should be, should be gone. Um, and yet the, the, the story is what you, you may hear it in Washington. I've heard it as I've traveled around the country um, that uh, the quote, the Democratic Party needs fresh young people, and the front runner for the presidential nomination for the Democratic Party right now is Joe Biden, uh, and he's far from young and attractive. Uh, and yet the alternatives are people like uh, Miss Cortez, who are socialist communists, driving the party even further and further left. So I, I think the party's got to implode and. 
it's got to change. It has to change direction because every time they continue to lose elections, and and I don't see anybody on the Democratic side at the moment who has any possibility of challenging Donald Trump. Although I said on Roy's show, and I I, I pounded on him about this a few weeks ago, um, that I felt that the Democratic Party and uh, is the party of victims. And the dom- that the nominee for the 2020 presidential election is going to be the ultimate victim in the Democratic Party. And the ultimate victim in the Democratic Party is Hillary Clinton. Michael Goodwin wrote a, a piece for the New York Post over the weekend saying exactly what I said months and months and months ago. Hillary Clinton is likely to be the nominee for the Democratic Party. I, I've been saying that. I've been saying she's not out for a long time. Uh and and I think what we're going to see here in, in 2020 is the, the nutty side. These Democratic socialists are going to put forward a candidate. Last time it was Jill Stein. They're going to put up somebody more viable this time. It's going to divide the Democratic Party in two, and Donald Trump is going to walk into the White House with a red map. A, a great landslide, much like Ronald Reagan. Yes, absolutely. On his, on his second term. I, I, I think you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Absolutely right. So have you been accosted by anybody? I didn't hear that. Have you been accosted by anybody? I haven't, actually. Um, I uh, I look like a hippie, so and I dress like a, a hippie. <laughs> I always wear T-shirts and crazy blazers and jeans. And um, you know, when I get when I get recognized, it's usually by good people who follow me and uh, and and you know uh, know that I'm funny and uh, and don't harass me, but. You know, give it time. You know, I always say there's there's always time. I'm sure somebody will uh, try to uh, accost me at some point, and I'll sue the hell out of them and own every bit of the eight thousand dollars they're worth or eighteen dollars that they're worth. It's fine. <laughs> tell tell I us, love the, it. what's the title of your book again? It's uh, I hate Democrats, I hate Republicans, and it's on Amazon.com right now. It's actually on sale right now. It's uh, twelve seventy five. Yeah. So, so cheap. Yeah, it's so cheap. It's doing what it's Is doing it? well too, and. And, and I, I do want to I want to talk about a few more things about that book b- before you go. But Josh, go ahead. I know you have some thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, real quick, and I know Dan has something to say as well. But uh, you know, I wanted to touch on. It's very interesting. You know, I, I'm you know only 20 years old, so I'm not I'm not uh, you know old enough. You know, I was way too young for Bush's first term, but I, I knew that during Bush's second term as well as Obama's, both, both of his terms, it, it seemed very much the, the whole idea of comedy being used to move policy and to move politics was pretty much only used by the Democrats. And one of the things I think that happened when, you know, Obama got elected is a lot of these people, um, and, you know, similar to you, um, said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore. We've already lost to this guy we think is terrible. We might as well just go be honest and not be afraid to, you know, say, you know, be snarky, but also move policy. And like you were saying earlier, you know, it's, it's very important to, you know, people, when someone's laughing, they listen to you. Um, and when you, when, you can, when you can add good, solid policy and politics when you're making someone laugh boy that boy that sure does a lot and I think it's a lot of what has made you know created Trump the ability to win and as well as the reason why the Republican Party seems to be taking leaps and bounds uh, coming up you know in these midterms 
Yeah, and you know what's interesting, too, is that uh, years ago when we couldn't beat Obama to save our lives, uh, I wrote an article. I used to write for the Huffington Post. It was one of the first places that actually would publish me. And I wrote an article called Logic from a Republican Who Can Accept a Loss. And I explained the loss to, to fellow Republicans. I was like, guys, just move on from it. Just deal with it, move on, and we can win the next time around. And it's, it seems like that logic and uh, that, that common sense stuff is what the Republicans learned, but Democrats can't learn, and they're going to keep losing because of it. I, can I ask you a question as a comedian? Sure. My impression, and I, and, and I could be wrong, but my impression is that Democrats do not know how to laugh. Not anymore. They're the most uptight um, people. They, they have no sense of humor. They have no sense of timing. Um, they, they, they must never laugh. Is, is no, that it, just it, one person's opinion? It's not that they don't laugh. It's that they're not self-aware. Now, when you take a look at comedians in the past who are political on the left, like Jon Stewart, he was very self-aware, and he knew when Democrats were wrong. He knew when uh, they were right, and he knew how to capitalize on both sides of it. He also uh, even went after, like, Kathleen Sebelius uh, when Obamacare failed. So, like, he was, he was there, and he was paying attention, and he was aware of what his party was doing. Now when you're not self-aware and you're right and self-righteous all the time and you're pointing fingers and, and calling names, you, it's not that you're not funny or, or you're, you don't have the humor. It's that you literally – don't accept you for who you are. And I think that's the problem with the left right now. I mean, they're, they're still saying that Donald Trump is the reason that people are, you know, rubbing their faces on the Supreme Court doors when Kavanaugh gets, uh, you know, confirmed. I mean, that's, that is ridiculous, insane behavior. But they won't take personal responsibility for it, and they won't laugh at themselves. It's, they're saying it's someone else's fault that they're, you know, wailing and gnashing their teeth, like, biblically when things go crazy. It's, it's unbelievable to me. So it's the, the comment that was made on election night in 2016 that it was the white non-college educated males who cost Hillary the election is the way they approach things that they never have. They never have responsibility for their failures. Yes, absolutely. And if they were actually paying attention, it was the women who did it. It was the white women who did it. Uh, but but mm-hmm. they don't want to admit that because white women did not like Hillary either. So, right. but it's it's always and, some sort of a demographic, and it's never them. And it it appears from the polling data from Rasmussen that the white women, the white suburban housewives and mothers and soccer moms, are are so outraged at the way that Kavanaugh was treated in the secondary hearing that there's a huge backlash for white women, again, along with white males, about what's going on. Absolutely. Oh, it's called white lash if you're Van, Van Jones, by the way. Um, right. But, yeah, no, that, you're looking this at this, was, you know, wait, this that could be anybody. Lash. This election was a white <laughs> lash. Remember when you said that? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, that's what, um, is it Josh, the dude who's 20 here? Like, that's one of the things, like, I hope you've recorded every interaction you've ever had with a woman in your life. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Um, and even then, just, you know, make, make a note of where you've been. You keep, keep hard uh, calendars of things because when you're a, a highly qualified person, uh, God knows what people will try to come up with to, to derail your potential candidacy or future in politics. I did a you commentary know, last week. Go ahead, Josh. I did a commentary ahead, last week real quick. 
uh, I did a commentary last week about um, sexual assault. And there is this woman in New York who claimed that she was groped sexually assaulted in a bodega in, in, in Brooklyn. And she called 911 and they came. And um, the person she accused of assaulting her, sexually assaulting her, was a nine-year-old boy. And um, three days later, the security video showed that, in fact, the young man had his hands in front of her, and he may have lightly touched her with his backpack as he walked by her. She apologized. She apologized by saying, I don't know what the young man's name was, but I'm sorry. The young man was interviewed on, on ABC Good Morning America and talked about how his life has changed forever because of the accusation that she had against him. And I said in the piece, the average settlement for sexual harassment in the United States in the private sector is $53,000. Maybe if there was a penalty for women who falsely accused another person and destroyed their lives, Maybe they need to get paid, they, need, they pay their victims $53,000. This woman owes this young boy $53,000. And maybe Judge, maybe uh, Dr. Ford owes Judge Kavanaugh $53,000 too. Well, you, you, she isn't going to pursue things criminally, which is uh, uh, seems to be telling to me. I, I think that would be the first thing I would do if I felt uh, the the need to come forward, I, I would pursue criminal things. But, you know, somebody who needs to pay out more money, not like he's paying out money uh, hand over fist recently, is uh, Michael Avenatti, who absolutely made false. I mean, there's there's nobody anywhere who's believing anything that Michael Avenatti has to say. And he came out with that entire crazy gang rape thing. Uh, and, right. uh, you know, and I mean, it was so bizarre and so off the wall. And he, t- I, you know, they're doing nothing on the left. Uh, with this Me Too stuff and these accusations, other than uh, strengthening the defense for actual people who are uh, uh, predators and actual people who are sexually assaulting others, because now mm-hmm. this this helps. This will help. I was trained as a, a defense attorney in Baltimore City. Um, I went to law school and had a, a great uh, public defender with a, a mentor of mine. Uh, this will only help the defense and go like, hey. Maybe she's just doing this for the fame. Maybe she's just doing this for the money. And if that's enough to cause reasonable doubt with a jury, that's it. The guy goes free, and then he can sexually assault someone again. I mean, them by, mm-hmm. by them coming up with these crazy claims of, you know, like from Michael Avenatti's side of, of these gang rape things and whatever he's trying to do to stay famous, he is a, a gift not only to the Republican Party in the elections, but a gift to every defense attorney who has to defend an actual predator in court. Can you imagine him in the spring of 2020 being a, a, a candidate for the nomination for the Democratic Party? That's very exciting to me. That, that entire thing no, is a very it's exciting true. deal. He, he says he wants to run for president. Oh, he's going to. I'm sure of it. And it, it is a very – it's an exciting, insane field that they're going to put forward in 2020. Uh, uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, so, you know, you brought up the fact that you know about the whole, you know, document everything that I, you know, potentially do with someone of the, you know, the other sex, and you know, and it's something I've been thinking about recently, where you know I've been thinking about back on just me, you know, living my life as you know in high school and now in college about situations that wow that could have went really bad, you know, if 
I, you know, if that person, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't on the up and up with, you know, that I could have been, and who, you know, who knows something, you know, something could be made up in, in the past, but there's been plenty of times in not only my life, but many of my friends and, you know, people I don't know that, you know, shoot, it's so easy to be accused, especially in college. All you have to do is just be accused of something and you're out of the school and your name is tarnished forever. Uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you can't, you can, it's very hard to build back up a reputation. Um, you know, so that's something that it's, it's a scary thing for any, any young men like me in this world right now. I mean, it's also scary yeah. for somebody like me who's on the up and up and getting more and more popular and will become a threat to the left. You know, when you, when yeah. you become, you know, when you make a name for yourself, like you just have to, you just have to expect something like this is going to happen. No, it, and you know, and just to touch on one more thing, Rory. It's very interesting yeah. when anybody talks about how, you know, for instance, Mike Pence and this, some other um, ma- married men who refuse to be, and you know, alone with a woman that's not his wife. He, the left makes fun of him for that. I've seen multiple different. They're saying that he's he hates women, he, all this stuff. I'm like, so he hates women because he's trying to keep himself as far away from you know, making them perceive something wrong or getting into a bad situation. You know, even when a guy tries to be completely on the, you know, the up and up, he still gets cashed by the left. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Tim, you know, you know, what's interesting. You were talking about Michael Avenatti, that clown uh, today. Uh, He, there's a new article out that he owes uh, 4.8, million to his ex one of one of his ex uh, partners from one of his law firms and this all this dirt just keeps coming out about this guy this guy is broke as hell and he's trying to make a name for himself so he can you know uh get the get some sort of wealth back that he used to have i mean this guy he, he's desperate there's, there's desperation here a lot of it and he likes the limelight let's face it and um I, you know, I, I go back and forth. I mean, do, do you think, I mean, from what you're seeing, he could be the nominee for the Democratic Party for 2020? No, I, I don't think he squeaked through. Uh, I, uh, I think the nominee is either going to be Hillary Clinton, uh, Elizabeth Warren, or Joe Biden. And, and that's un- I think that's a win, a win, and a win even, if Trump runs. And then, and then though, you're even, going to – Oh, go ahead. Keep going. I was going to ask you something. Keep going, though. And then you're going to have somebody try to burn it to the ground. Like uh, I, think, I think Bernie Sanders tries to burn the party to the ground uh, and divide it off. And you're going to have people who don't think that the Democratic Party is left, far left enough because you're having these Dem- Democratic Socialists get their push nationally in different regions. And you're going to have a third party come up and a, uh, a, a new version of Jill Stein that's more viable. Yeah. Oh, oh God! Your your you, your predictions are are very accurate. I see the same thing happening, and you're absolutely right. I mean, there's the 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 party is not going to come together. There, the, the Democrats are more divided than anyone. I mean, they have a lot of problems because uh, you know. Let's face it. I mean, look at all look at everything we've seen, and you know, it, it's. I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about you know you talked kind of about this. What do you think about the whole caravan thing? What are your thoughts? And, and what, what, I mean, you're, I know it's – I talked earlier about on my show regarding this topic, and it, it's all about it's two weeks before the election. Look at the timing. Look at 
you know, how Democrats have had illegal votes for them in the past. Look how desperate uh, Democrats are right now because of the momentum and high uh, gain Trump has gotten and how popular Trump uh, has, has gotten. I mean, look, look at all of this. I mean, it all adds up, and George Soros is now apparently involved. And now, what, like, the, during the caravan, we hear an explosive device goes to George Soros' house. I mean, I don't know if that's phony or, uh, you know, I, I don't know, because the person apparently working at his house grabbed the package and threw it in the bushes. Usually if it's an explosive, if you think that, go near it. And I don't know if that's a distraction from him throwing all this money at the caravan or what, but and try to make the right look bad, saying somebody on the right is trying to attack me. And there's all this stuff going on. I don't know how you get close. I'm sure he lives in a fortress, so I'm not sure exactly how you would get close to his house to deliver a package like that, which is curious to me. But uh, exactly, you know, I this this stuff. If you take a look at the timing of it, it at this point, let's go with reasonable doubt. And, and you take a look at how well covered this is and the great camera crews they've got with it and all the media coverage that they have with these guys. I'm surprised there's not like a 24-7 Facebook Live uh, going along with this caravan and a GoFundMe to you know, raise a few million dollars for it as well. At this point, and it's the same thing that I talk about with like, you know, sex offenders and how like, the Michael Avenatti stuff helps actual sex offenders out. It's reasonable doubt. And you take a look at the timing and everything with that, and you're just a normal person in flyover, not in, this, not in the echo chambers. So you take a look at it and you go, this doesn't seem right. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong about this. It just doesn't add up. And that's all it's going to take to get people to move or not move in this election. You look at Democrats and they go, this, is, this seems manipulative. This is a little much on top of the mobs. And they go, eh, it's not really my team anymore. You take a look at the Republicans and they look at it and go, this is BS. I'm showing up to the polls. These people don't belong in our country. So you add all that up, and it only hurts Democrats. You're you're absolutely right, and uh, you know you make a, a really good point there, and valid point. And you know the look we we seen a new poll out uh, that the the Republicans are leading in early voting, and you know you see all these people like we talked about earlier that are fleeing the democratic party and you know uh the democrats like you like you said they're living in their own bubble and i don't i don't think they're they understand the severity and uh and how how damage how did how you know how bad the damage is is of what they're doing and how significant uh the impact is of uh you know trump's voice and you know turning on the voters that never would have even thought of voting for him two years ago. You see all these walk away stories. It's unbelievable. It's happening every second of every day. And you take a look at the crowds that are showing up in Houston for Donald Trump and you have, you know, what? lines around the corner camping 24 out 20, hours ahead 24, of time. Camping out 24 hours to 48 hours before. I mean, that's, you know, I, I always, you talk about reasonable doubt and fake news and the whole thing. You know, I take a look at a story, like I think it was NBC pushed the story that, uh, you know, yeah. uh, early voting is swaying heavily Republican. And I wonder, yeah. again, with reasonable doubt and how things are being manipulated, if that's not a story that's being manipulated to say, hey, Republicans, you can chill out. You're definitely going to win here. You don't have anything to worry about. That's, that's one of those things. Actually, I look at that. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. I, I you know, that's another – I didn't even think of that, but the fact that you – mention that is a good point because when I first saw that article today, I'm like, oh, NBC is so liberal biased. They're, Republicans are probably leading by a lot more than the numbers I see. Um, but but going back to this 
movement of Trump, we've never seen any political figure in history get these crowd sizes. I mean, in Texas, he people signed up for over 100,000 tickets, and the venue, the Houston Rockets Arena, could only hold 18,000. I was at the rally in uh, – because I live in Arizona. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I was at the rally the other night, and I was in the VIP section. I was right next to the stage. It was, like, really close, and it was amazing. And it was at the um, the airport. But this place was full house, packed, and then outside – there were thousands and thousands of people watching on a projection screen that could not get in, uh, watching the speech. I mean, this was something out of a movie. I have never seen anything like this. And I took a whole video of the line when it first started at, like, like early in the morning and what it led up to. And these lines, and I'm not kidding you about three to four miles long. I mean, this was absolutely insane, like nothing I've ever seen before. Big, Like bigger lines than a rock concert, bigger lines than a sporting event. I mean, this is unreal. Yeah, no, and, and we'll never see it again in our lifetimes, I don't think. And he puts on a good show, too. That's the other thing. He goes, he'll just go off script for 90 minutes <laughs> and, uh, and puts on a hell of a show for the people who waited all night long. So they get their money's worth, which is free, but still they get their money's yeah. worth for showing up to these rallies. Absolutely, and it really is a a, uh, a blast. I've been to every one. I've been with him since day one. You know, I was a I was a fan since he first announced uh, in in 2015 on that. He walked down that escalator. You all remember that moment. Um, but uh, you know, I wanna uh, before I get back to your book and uh, you know you, you've been with us for a long time. I, I know I know you have to probably get going. Um, I do want to get Josh or Dan's thoughts, but then I want to ask some final thoughts about your book. But uh, Josh or Dan, go ahead. Dan, you go ahead, man. Thank you. Um, I, I think that that um, the the mystery of Donald Trump is still a mystery to the Democratic Party. They can't see the forest for the trees. They can't see that this multi-billionaire who's self-made, who's worked as a chief executive for almost all of his life, was the perfect person to be president of the United States. And his skill attained in television has made him an effective communicator to the people that count, and that's the voters. And the problem that the Democrats have is they don't have anybody to compare to his style and his presence, and they won't have anybody in 2020. The, he relates well to the American people. He's saying things. I said in the commentary that I wrote this morning on, on, the, on the border is that when Donald Trump last week said that he is thinking about sending troops to the border, the flyover Americans stood in cheers for the first time in the history of our country. We have a president who's willing to stand up and say no to illegal immigration. The Democrats were outraged that they would use the military. Two totally different points of view for the same issue. And the point of view that supports Mr. Trump is the one that's going to win the election. And the Democrats are going to realize Afterwards, they can't see it now, 
but immigration was their downfall. It's been the number one issue on voters' minds the entire season for the midterm elections. And what Mr. Trump is doing of using the mainstream media a barrage of images to engage the American people that it's not right, that these are invaders, they're coming into our country, and they're going to burn our resources. They don't understand how they've been used again. Boy, Dan, I, yeah, I think, that, I think that's absolutely accurate. I mean, that's spot on. Thank you. Um, t- Tim. Yeah. Um, your thoughts. No, I, I agree with him on that. I, I think one of the, the factors is just people's behavior in this, and uh, in, in right. these elections, and how and and people watching from home, especially in flyover and in a lot of these um, battleground states that that take a look at the just the bizarre, violent behavior of the left, and saying, "I'm not that. I don't know what team I'm on, but it's not that one." And I think that gets louder and louder the more that things, the more ridiculous things get. Absolutely, 100% agree. Um, so going going back into your Josh, you have any final thoughts on that? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I'd love to hear more about the book. So this is perfect. Okay, but let's talk about this book because I because I, I am fascinated, you know, by your personality, by your intelligence. Uh, you know, you're very creative. You're a very unique guy. Um, so tell, so tell us, cause I, cause I, obviously I kind of, you know, pinpointed the book premise a little bit earlier, basically saying you're not for either party. You're for what's right. You're for what's, you know, policy. You're for, you know, you know, action, you know, what, what is going to, uh, you know, be best for us. What's going to be, uh, the most, um, effective. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's the whole concept of the thing is like, look, it, it's, it's all about the, the moral of the story is personal responsibility, not to spoil the book yep. career. But the whole concept yep. of the book is uh, stop being an idiot, stop paying attention to everything else, and start like, getting off your ass and paying attention and, and doing your own research and being intelligent because you're smarter than to play into the games of one side, the weakness of the other, and the, the entertainment of the media. I believe in people. I, I love people even though I, I talk about how much I hate a lot of people in the book. Uh, but I, I love everybody, and I think that they can be smarter Americans and sm- a smarter electorate, and that's what I'm hoping people get out of this. Right. Oh, yeah, I, 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 li- I like that. Um, and, you know, you, you put in this whole book just kind of describe each chapter for us a little bit, like kind of, you know, what you, what you go through and everything, like a, what you, you know, put into perspective, what you, you know, are exactly writing about. I mean, I know it's, some of it's about what's going on, the election cycle, all the, all that stuff. So it's, it's about, you know, the, you, you take a look at the manipulation of the media. Uh, you take a look yep. at the manipulation of the, uh, what each political party is trying to put forward and how they're failing and, and succeeding in that. That's a lot of it. Uh, a lot of the um, religious aspects of things, a lot of the racial aspects of things, and how really everything is just being manipulated and how we're all you know, equal and warm and fuzzy at the end of the day, which is um, kind of the moral of it. I think one of the fun parts with the book, though, is that my editor pushed back on me, and he was like, um, about halfway through, I was a woman, and she was like, I think you hate women and fat people in this book. And I go, well, yeah. Uh, but that's not the point. Uh, and, and we kind of had a, 
we had a lot I'm like the titles I hate Democrats, I hate Republicans. And a lot of it is, you know, there's a lot of um uh victimization when there doesn't need to be victimization. There's a lot of people who don't take personal responsibility for things. I, I talk about uh, a section on personal responsibility and how we need to take uh you know take credit for our actions and our failures. Uh, both. And, and one of them I went through at, at some point, and I described this in the book, in the personal responsibility chapter in particular, uh, I lost 130 pounds at one point in my life. And I did that because I got off my ass and I went on a diet. And so many people nowadays, there's this like body positivity movement where we're supposed to accept people for being extremely unhealthy and call them beautiful and say that they're uh, a wonderful contributor to society when all they are is, uh, you know, like, say, a fat woman on the cover of, of Cosmopolitan magazine. That's the one person I talk about in the book. Um, and how that's, that's such a bad example for everyone else. But it is an example of what the left wants, which is this lack of personal responsibility and a lack of people, you know, actually wanting to improve their lives, but rather getting rewarded for doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's – wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's a Josh, heavy topic. Get it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I like this idea of personal responsibility. It's something that uh, you know, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who I had the opportunity to go see in Cleveland here about a month ago. But you know, his book, Twelve. Uh, what is it called? It's, I can't. It just escaped me. But I think it's Twelve. Twelve something. But reason, reasons to. Anyway, but the, the whole idea of the book, though, is um, personal responsibility and, you know, owning, like you just said, owning your wins and losses. Speak on the idea, I mean, speak on the kind of, that movement is really starting to pick up steam, um, as, you know, as, especially, I guess, with, you know, in the insurgence of entrepreneurship is starting to become very, very popular and stuff like this, how it's owning your losses and then, you know, doing something with your life, kind of, you know, not just getting a nine to five and hoping things turn out right. Well, I mean, there's, you take a look at cities like Detroit right now, where it's the people who stuck around in Detroit after a major industry left were these like hipsters who uh, believe in starting their own business and, uh, you know, really want no government interference in what they're doing and, and want to be successful on their own. And, I think that's, that's a wave that's coming in this country. I think there's, there are people that are like, I'm tired of waiting and, and wanting to work for someone else. I want to work for myself, and I'm going to make this work one way or another. And I don't want to rely on the government for that. In fact, the government only hurts my chances of being able to help myself. So there's, there's definitely a wave that's coming of, of people, and it's hip to work for yourself. It's cool. I sound like an old man when I say that, but I'm not. Uh, you know, it's, it's cool to want to be personally responsible again and, and, you know, take your fate into your own hands. And so I, I think that's what we're going to see here, and I think that's what's being reflected in a lot of these elections. Yeah, yeah, very I well mean, said. Go ahead, absolutely. Josh. Yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And, it's, you know, I personally, I love that shift that's happening, you know, with the, uh, with the same people on both sides where it's, it's a lot, you know, it's also the idea of whoever's president isn't dictating the way that you live your life. The smart people don't let elected officials for the most part rule their life either way. You know, obviously elected officials can impact your life in, in big ways. Um, but the majority of people whose president 
doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, the whole idea of taking, taking on your own responsibility for what you're dealing with now, if you can't deal with what you're dealing with on the daily, if you can't get up and make your bed in the morning, you've got, how are you supposed to go out and do anything productive for the rest of the day? You know, how are you even supposed to really form any sort of ideas about what's going on in politics? You haven't taken care of half of the crap in your own life. Um, so I really love the idea uh, that your book is pushing kind of to get people on the right track in that sense. Yeah, and I cuss a lot in it too, so it's pretty cool. And the, and the no, whole, I, I, you I, know, I, I always say the, the biggest problem in this country is entitlement. All these people think they're owed something. All these people marching in the streets for socialism think that we, you know, should pay for all of their demands, all of their requests, you know, know, what's your majority of are ludicrous. And uh, there's such a waste of tax dollars. And it's sickening to watch. And, you know, your book about personal responsibility kind of, you know, resonates and kind of goes into, you know, entitlement. Uh, You know, there's too many people in our country now that believe in socialism and are following the Bernie route, which is not the American way, which is not what we are brought up uh, to do uh, with our our moral principles. I mean, there's a a big uh, problem here. Absolutely. I wanted to – I just wanted to jump in real quick. Um, Yeah. And that was to to look at at the personal responsibility – and say to you, I, I am of a mind that the greatest example of the change in personal responsibility is the change in the black and Hispanic communities in their favorability rating of Donald Trump in two years, going from 8% to close to 40%. 36, 36 yes. Yeah, that that we're 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 now we we are spawning another a new group of whether they're entrepreneurs is is irrelevant. We're spawning a group of people that believe in hope, and Mr. Trump is presenting the opportunity for people to get a good paying job to take care of themselves and their families, and they haven't seen that in a long time, and so that that hope. Uh, leads to responsibility when you make when you make your own living as opposed to having your living given to you uh you have a sense of personal responsibility when you just have it handed to you in a welfare check you don't accepting your any personal responsibility yeah, that may be yeah, in fact the greatest trump legacy Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. And, and Tim, um, I, I do, you know, t- your book, though, um, I, I'm very happy for you. Um, and uh, your book tour, please tell everybody. Well, real quick, before I – last thing I do want to talk about, which I didn't talk about for, um, you know, just for a second, is, is you're a comedian. You, you're a stand-up. Uh, where do you usually perform and how often? <laughs> So I've been doing a lot more TV than anything else and radio for that matter, because by, by the time I finish with my schedule, um, I have no free time anymore to do anything. My, my life has been consumed by, uh, I know this sounds like the, the, the lamest way to put this is like my life is consumed by doing TV and radio, you guys. So uh, it's tough for me to get on the road. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to having a book tour and uh, working with folks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to have my people reach out to you guys and all of the radio stations that uh, um, I've been working with. 
to do live events around the country, we're probably going to have 30 or 40 stops before the end of it. I love performing live. I haven't had a chance to do it recently because I've been in TV studios and hosting for Sirius. And uh, literally, uh, I, I wrote the book uh, throughout the month of July. I did two live events in July that were sold out at the same time. So I would literally fly out and do a show and then fly immediately back and keep writing. So it's been uh, nonstop, and I'm really excited to get back out and do uh, some, you know, great uh, either radio things or book tour things or, um, you know, Republican clubs, all sorts of stuff. It's going to be a fun time. And you're stopping, you know, your book tour stop. Where are you doing East Coast, West Coast, everywhere? We're going literally everywhere. And so I, uh, I have a nice lady who hasn't told me exactly where all we're going to do. She's mapping it all out as we speak. And I should find out probably in the next few weeks uh, what we're doing. So um, I'm looking forward to having less of a life and uh, being on the road and making people laugh. I love that, man. And uh, that is awesome. And, and what the, what's the uh, time frame? Uh, a few months on the road or how, how does it work? Looks like November and December, probably mid-November through December, maybe even into January. We'll see how long we can go with it. Uh, you know, honestly, I love it. I'm addicted to it. Um, and, and there's nothing like making a crowd uh, react to you live and having a few hundred people laugh along with your ideas. It's crazy to me that I can still do it even now. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it as long as people let me do it. And as long as there are uh, dates to be booked, I will be there having a party. So, uh, yeah. And, it, and is it consecutive stops, like, is, or do you take, like, or is it, like, you take breaks, or how does it work in that, in that sense? Well, once it, it looks like with this and the way that things are going to be scheduled out, it looks like it's going to be pretty consecutive, and that's why we're waiting to schedule everything uh, all at once, and I have this brilliant mind that's behind it so that I can literally, uh, I will probably end up driving the country uh, to make it easier on, uh, for travel. So uh, it looks like we're going to take a swing down through the south and then kind of do a big loop up. Uh, last time I did this, I actually did a, a tour, not really a tour, but I stopped in a bunch of little places uh, and drove around for fun. I drove the country. I did 5,500 miles in a month once. And uh, it looks like wow. I'm probably going to do something very similar again where perform, get on the road, perform, get on the road, stay a little bit in Texas where I love it, and then uh, get back out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right now it looks like uh, we're, we're heavy in uh, – I think there's two in Alabama – two in Louisiana, it looks like maybe seven stops in Texas, uh, two in Illinois, and I think there's one or two in California right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's like, it's, uh, it's a party. It's a lot of work. I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is going to be a lot of work. Uh, we're working on it. We don't have a date yet, so uh, if you guys want to talk to my people, we can make that happen. Okay, yeah, 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 for sure, and uh... – you know, and I also want to, you know, ha- have everybody, you let everybody know your TV show is on five days a week, right? Yeah, well, right now we are in negotiation with a network for it. So we have uh, put it on a little bit of a hold because I think we're going to have a big announcement coming pretty soon. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to breathe, but I have a, I have a big meeting tomorrow, and, uh, and I've been filling in for Sinclair Broadcasting a lot. And there's just been a lot of stuff. And then local Fox is using me, and I'm supposed to have meetings with that. So, like, there's meetings all over the place. Um, and this will definitely be back up. We'll be back up and doing this probably live on the road and recording it live on the road with the book tour. Um, but for right now, while we're getting everything together, I actually am I'm taking a little bit of a break so that I could work on other stuff at the exact same time. 
and also work on putting together, it looks like a radio show for Sirius XM. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces and I don't know how I'm actually doing it all. When I, when I say it all, when I, when it all comes out of my mouth, like we're gibberish on, on the air with you guys, but uh, yeah, busy. So it, so it all still seems kind of surreal to you. Like, wow, it's all happening at once. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's surreal. I, you know, it's, it's, I wanted it to work and it's my career and, I don't take it for granted um, and, and it can all go away. So like I, I take it very seriously and I, I look at it um, not from a, I don't, I don't take much time to enjoy it. And I've been yelled at, uh, about that, yelled at uh, about that because um, right. I don't sit back and go, wow, that's amazing. I go, Hey, this might right. end tomorrow. So let's work harder. And uh, right. so, you know, I'm, I'm always on the gas pedal and never really thinking about it surreal or not, but it is pretty wild when you, when you think about it. Yeah, it sounds fun, man. I, I like I like what you're doing. I respect what you're doing. Uh, you've been an amazing guest. Um, and uh, please, again, tell everybody where they can find your website, your social media, and your book, and promote yourself. Go ahead. So uh, you can go to timyoung.com. Uh, you can check out all my stuff at Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter. And go get the book, I Hate Democrats, I Hate Republicans, on Amazon.com. It's like 1275 right now. That's nothing. Go buy it. Go buy a couple copies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will do 100%. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been an honor. Uh, your, your Twitter's great. Uh, every, everybody can find you on Twitter. A lot of people are already following you on Twitter. You got a big, a big following, a big crowd. Um, keep doing what you're doing, man. I respect it. Um, it's, it's very, uh, I, 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 I highly admire it, man. It's good stuff. Um, and, uh, hey. We'll have you back soon, and we'll definitely talk. Uh, there's definitely a, a lot uh, we could possibly do together in the future. Sounds good to me. Bring me to Arizona. It could be fun. So uh, let's talk. Thanks a lot. All right, man. You have a good night, and thank you for coming on. And uh, God bless. Jim Young, everybody. <clears throat> what an amazing guest, right? Wow. That was good he was stuff. Boy, he has, I, I like his insight, especially, you know, with him being in the media industry the way he is. That was, uh, you know, I liked his take that he had. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he did incredible. He, uh, he nailed it perfectly. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, just the way he, uh, you know, has worked so hard and, and got himself into it and into the media and, and now made a name for himself and, God, I mean, I just respect the hustle. I love it. Um, you know, Dan and Josh, let's get into some topics. Very important stuff. First of all, uh, this is getting a lot of headline and a lot of heat from the left. Uh, Trump today said he's a nationalist, uh, and I'm glad he said he's a nationalist. So am I, and, and so are we all are. Uh, we're Americans. We're patriots. We're supposed to be nationalists. But according to the left, it's racist. But uh, I want to play uh, Trump's entire, uh, you know, uh, speech today. He, uh, you know, uh, addressed numerous topics, uh, include, you know, including uh, the, the caravan. Uh, but the one that got the backlash from the left was that he said he's a nationalist. But there's nothing wrong or racist about that. I mean, oh, my God. Uh, one five. Hey, it's being discussed right now. Mike Bolton, as you know, is in Russia. Uh, talking about various things, including the whole nuclear situation, uh, where we were not treated well for many years. This should have been done a long time ago. 
and I think something good could come out of that. And I very well meet with, uh, I think we probably will. It hasn't been set up yet, but it probably will be. Could you settle some of the confusion over your comments about what you mean when you say you're a nationalist? What does that mean? I love our country. And our country has taken second fiddle. If you look at the trade deals, and nobody knows it better than me, I'm knocking out some of the worst deals I've ever seen, where we're giving all of our wealth, all of our money to other countries, and then they don't treat us properly, where we're protecting other rich countries, very, very rich countries, including, by the way, a country that happens to be very much in the news, Saudi Arabia, immensely wealthy, and we're taking care of their military for a fraction of the cost. Not fair to us. Other countries also, immensely wealthy countries, and we have to get reimbursed for that. We should not be the world's police keeper and not get reimbursed. And by the way, when I bring up to the heads of countries like Japan, Prime Minister Abe, a friend of mine, I bring it up, he looks at me, and he goes, I understand. They understand it. Nobody's ever asked them. I said, have you ever asked? I said, have you ever been asked, like, you have to be, like, help out? Nobody's ever asked. So that's a pretty unfair thing. Well, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to get back to you. Is nice Can I ask my follow-up? No, not now. I'll get back to you, I said. You can't take the whole thing. You have a lot of other very fine well, things. I understand. Go ahead, yes. No, I'm, I'm behind you, please. Um, have you heard back, uh, first of all, can you tell us what you think about what the first president said today? And also, have you heard back? What President Erdogan said? Yes, sir. Uh, well, he was pretty rough on Saudi Arabia, I would say. I haven't gotten a full recap. As you know, I have people in Turkey and I have people in Saudi Arabia and other places, and they're all coming back as we speak. They're heading back. Uh, I'll know, I think, everything in a very short period of time. It's a bad situation. But uh, certainly President Erdogan was not complimentary of what happened. That was a terrible thing that happened. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, do you, do you believe him? I want to see the facts first. Uh, look, Saudi Arabia has been a really great ally. They've been one of the biggest investors, maybe the biggest investor in our country. Uh, they are doing hundreds of billions of dollars worth of investments. and. You know, so many jobs, so many jobs, thousands and thousands of jobs. And if you look at the other side, Iran, you look at what they've done to people, vicious, horrible. And that's no excuse for what happened with Saudi Arabia, no excuse whatsoever. But you take a look, it's a rough part of the world. It's a, it's a nasty place. It's a nasty part of the world. But if what happened happened, and if the facts check out, it's something that's very bad. At the same time, they have been a very good ally of ours. They've been helping us a lot with respect to Israel. They've been funding a lot of things. Uh, I will tell you that Russia and China would love to have that military order. I mean, I can say it to my Democrat friends, too. I mean, they would love this is $110 billion worth of military. and. Russia would pick that up very quickly, and China would pick it up very quickly, and France would pick it up very quickly. France makes a lot of military equipment. It's a very competitive market. I did a great job when I sold them. That's why I went to Saudi Arabia first. I went to Saudi Arabia on the basis that they would buy 
hundreds of billions, many billions of dollars worth of things. And the ultimate number is around $450 billion, 110 for military, $450 billion. I think that's over a million jobs, a million to over a million jobs. So we do that, we're just hurting ourselves. We're just hurting ourselves. And I, I know that from a certain standpoint, you could also say, well, it doesn't matter because it is a terrible thing. But uh, we would be really hurting ourselves. We'd be hurting our companies. We'd be hurting our jobs. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But I should have a pretty good report. A couple of seconds. I should have a pretty good report very soon. Yes, go ahead. Just, brother, just to follow up on your comments about being a nationalist, there is a concern that you are sending coded language or a dog whistle to some Americans out there that what you really mean is that you're a white nationalist. I've never even heard that. I cannot imagine that. You mean, I never heard that. I'm a nationalist. No, I never heard that theory about being a nationalist. I've heard them all. But I'm somebody that loves our country. When I say a nationalist, I don't like it when Germany's paying 1% of GDP for NATO and we're paying 4.3%. I don't like that. That's not fair. I don't like it when, as an example, we're protecting uh, Europe and we're paying for almost the entire cost of NATO. We're paying for a very, very substantial portion, far greater than what it should be. Uh, we have great respect for those countries. But on top of that, I don't like it when they put up barriers to our farmers, where our farmers cannot sell into Europe. They have trade barriers that make it, you guys know it better than anybody. They have trade barriers that are as severe as China's trade barriers, which will be coming down. They want to make a deal very badly. They'll be coming down. But I am very proud of our country. We cannot continue to allow what's happened to our country to continue to happen. We can't let it happen. So I'm proud. I'm proud of our country. And I am a nationalist. It's a word that hasn't been used too much. People use it. But I'm very proud. I think it should be brought back. I'm somebody that wants to help other countries of the world. But I also have to take care. We have to take care of our country. We cannot continue to allow ourselves to be duped on military and also duped on trade. With the European Union, as an example, last year on trade, we lost $151 billion. On top of that, we lost hundreds of billions of dollars on protection. So we protect and we get killed. We, we do the trading and they get killed. Can't do it. I want it to be fair. So I want them to open their borders. I want them to make it fair for our farmers, our, our companies, our medical companies. They sell medical equipment. They just put restrictions on a year and a half ago where the medical equipment can't get into Europe, even though it's better than what they have. So they have to treat us well. All I want our country is to be treated well, to be treated with respect. For many years, other countries that are allies of ours, so-called allies, they have not treated our country fairly. So in that sense, I am absolutely a nationalist. And I'm proud. Very well said. I mean, we, uh, you know, nationalism is, is fantastic. We need to embrace it more. We need to, you know, uh, be capitalized on it, be happy about it. I mean, it's the best thing that's going on. Uh, you know, it's the opposite of what, uh, is uh, a cesspool, which is globalism. Globalism is nothing but evil. It's nothing but a disease. It's a cesspool. We need nationalism is the greatest thing on earth. We need we need to embrace 
and enjoy and love nationalism. And when the left says it's racist and makes up all these claims that it's hateful, all, all they're saying and all they're doing, and we all know what they believe in, they believe in globalism. They're just trying to make globalism look like uh, the positive narrative, which it isn't. You know, we, Trump is absolutely right when, you know, uh, when we give all of these countries all of this money and, you know, we don't do enough for, our, for ourselves in the past and, and all of these failed leaders that, that we've had, uh, very unfortunate. Um, it's one of those things, though. I, you know, he really brought – he's bringing everything to light. I mean, you see every day he's pr- delivering on a new promise. And, you know, there's so much things that uh, he's exposing that are so corrupt and, you know, smashed and messed up from the past administration that, oh, my God, it's just – it's nonstop. But, uh, Dan, go ahead. I, I I understand using the word nationalism. Yeah. But I, I'm as, just about as old as the president of the United States, and – and I'm, I'm, I am not in any way, real, shape, real or form quick, opposed. Dan, real quick, I want to say, real quick before you continue, I forgot to mention, and I want to say this to the audience, what the left is sadly saying and, 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 por- and trying to portray their, with their narrative is that nationalism represents the Nazis from, you know, back in the Germany days with Hitler and, and all, of the, all of this stuff, but... You know, you really look what Hitler was. He was a liberal socialist. So, I mean, it's so it's so much hypocrisy and, and, and contradictions, and there's so much ignorance with the left. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. That's okay. Uh, what I was just going to say is that for the first time in a long time, a long time, Americans have the ability to be proud to be Americans again. Yes. And yes. To, to, to be proud of their country. Proud of what they've accomplished and what the president has accomplished for the country in a relatively short period of time. It's proud. It's 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 a great time to be an American again, and that's the Democrats don't want that. They're not proud of our country. They're not nationalists. They're, ag- no. they're anti-America, but there there is a growing. More, a number of people in this beautiful country who are proud to be Americans want to do the right things and they want to bring about change to make America not only America great again but greater than it has ever been before exactly and that's you know that's what we're seeing I mean we're seeing the best it's ever been the best economy uh, we you know the best trade deals the best stock market. Uh, you know, we, we're seeing all the action our president is taking on enforcing the border. And, you know, our military is the strongest it's ever been. I could go on and on. Lowest black unemployment ever, lowest Hispanic unemployment, lowest Asian unemployment, lowest female unemployment in 65 years. I mean, it's it's really a ma- it's beyond a masterpiece. I mean, this is uh, this is something out of uh, heaven. I mean, this is godly. This is creating the impossible i mean this is oh my god wow but uh josh go did ahead. you but oh, oh, Dan, can i just sorry. interrupt for Dan. one second i yeah. just want to make one quick point did you hear yeah. what barack obama said today yeah he said 
uh, he said, yeah, just because you hear somebody say something doesn't make it true. And you hear this guy talk, blah, 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 kind of, yeah. The other thing he said today, America, remember, it started with me. Exactly. And why? Here's what everybody's asking, including myself. If everything's so bad, why is Obama taking credit for it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, go ahead. You know, I want to touch on two things. Obviously, I want to touch real quickly on, on what Obama said. Boy, uh, you know, he's – I wonder if at one point he's really going to try to ride the wave of uh, whether or not that he fixed – you know, he made it so that Trump was able to, to – you know, he, he – put the bridge in between Bush and Trump so that Trump would be able to have his success. I don't think it'll get that far. But boy, that would be ironic. But, you know, just to talk about the globe, the globalism real quick, boy, is that scary and has never worked. You know, when the, some of the most successful times for individual countries at the same time was when nationalism, specifically, I think back into, you know, the – the, the 1600s and 1700s in Europe, and even before that, when all these different countries were powerhouses in their own right, it was because of nationalism and how they all were trying to move forward, you know, England or France. They were all, yeah. The French people were all about France. The English people were all about right. England. You know, it's those kind of ideas that really do move countries forward on their own for the most part. This whole globalism thing... Uh, it doesn't really work. It hasn't, and I don't think it ever will. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it never has. It never will. All it does is let allow – it allows other countries to take advantage of us financially. And, you know, like Trump always said, these countries have not paid their fair share, and they need to pay their fair share. And, you know, we have – this is such – this is due to – the terrible and and lack of leadership that we've had in the past from these terrible past presidents, some of them. You know, uh, I mean, there's people don't sometimes stop and think when these about the fact that when these past presidents have signed deals, some of them have been good in the short term, but a long a lot of them have messed people up in the long term, like. Some of these, Pat, like Bill Clinton with NAFTA, in the beginning, everybody thought it was great, you know, in the short term. But in the long term, it screwed everyone over. Uh, Dan, I mean, is that, pretty, is that pretty accurate? Absolutely, absolutely. Remember Ross Perot was running against Bill Clinton, uh, and uh, he warned us about the great sucking noise coming from Mexico as – hundreds of thousands of jobs and companies are going to be sucked out of the United States because of NAFTA. He had great vision. Yeah. He, uh, he got it right. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, these politicians sign these deals and these, uh, you know, orders or, or whatever you want to call them and they put them in place and we've seen a lot of times in the past, Titian doing them for self for self gain 
to benefit their own pockets, to, you know, not, you know, to put, to put themselves first and, and to basically put a script together and present it to the American people to make it sound fantastic, which uh, is scary how good some of these past presidents have been at acting. It's, you know, they've really have convinced in the past a lot of people. Obviously, people today have woken up to the BS and have realized that they got played by, you know, some of our past leaders, which mainly a lot of it was Obama, but not all of it. But, you know, we, you know, we have all of these different various things uh, that, that, go, that fall into place. But, um, Josh, I know you have thoughts on this. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that was most scary about the Obama administration, um, you know, and the, the, the legislature even, you know, for, as well as for Bush and, the, you know, the people surrounding Bush as well as for Clinton, um, is everything has to do with short-term gratification, short-term results. Right. You know, right. NAFTA looked real good in the short term. It made sense yeah. in the short term. But as soon as you yeah. look at it in the long term, uh, it looks a little sketchy. You know, when yeah. when you only look at the short term, term you get short term results. So, for instance, Clinton, well, boy, he got elected twice. It worked for him. I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, his short term results worked fine. Same with, you know, same with some of the things that Bush did. Um, whether you like it, whether you like him or not, he he did things for the short term. Same with Obama. You know, the thing I like about Trump right now is that the things he's doing seem to be a little bit more with long term in mind. And I, you know, not only do I think it's the right call, but I think it's wise uh, for the country to be moving in a long term sense because I don't think America's going anywhere. Right. Yeah, well said. Absolutely well said. Um, you know, we do have a few minutes left. I do want to shift topics. I do want to, um, you know, announce. Uh, a few things, um, you know, I know I mentioned it earlier, uh, but Republicans are beating Democrats in early voting key states, which is, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I think it's they're beating them by a lot more than what they're saying, the numbers. Um, I also want to mention, you know, this whole caravan situation, uh, there are deportees, there, there are people that have been deported. Uh, many times that are now going back into the caravan line and re-entering. Like, that's the insanity that it's creating. And if you guys want to hear this, an accused murderer was traveling with a migrant minor was arrested, you know, recently at the Texas border. I mean, these are the kind of stuff we're dealing with. And I, I know that has nothing really nothing to do you know it it resonates with the caravan but it's a different situation but the whole caravan thing you think about how many murderers and rapists could be in that whole line and but the left says oh don't stereotype don't generalize don't say that kind of stuff oh how do you well how the how the how do you not how do you know they're not i mean you don't know who these people are you're not betting them you're not looking at their background so i mean for us to say these people could be and look, and if you look at how some of the videos they've taken, some of these people are violent. I mean, some of these people are jumping in front of the cameras. Some of these people, literally, animals in, in like they are like they're jumping up around, attacking. I saw violence going on. 
Like, I'm, this is some scary stuff, and we all know that, you know, the Democrats are pushing for open borders. Jesus Christ. I mean, this is – you really think about this, sending the military there, uh, you know, we we talked about this earlier, Dan, on the phone a little bit, but uh, you and I earlier today. But uh, you know, my, my my good friend Joe Arpaio, you know, was the one of the first people to recommend this back in July. I think he actually was the first uh, in July to say send our military down there uh, to stop the the flow of illegal immigration and, and the drugs pouring in and, and the, all the the murderers and the, and the bad people and the rapists and stuff. And, you know, now Trump is taking his advice and sending the military down there because it's getting out of hand. I mean, this is what uh, needs to happen. And, and, Dan, you wrote a whole piece about this, uh, an article. Uh, your thoughts, though, Dan? I know you have a lot of thoughts about this. But we have a couple minutes left. Yeah. Two minutes. Yeah, we have about three minutes left. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So since we've got three minutes, what I want to do, I'm going to put you on the spot. I've got this piece that I've written about the wall, and I've sent some commentary to your new blog site and website. I think what I want to do is I'm going to direct this new piece directly to your site only tomorrow. Okay. We're supposed to talk tomorrow so that I, yeah. I want to provide you with exclusive content that only comes from to your site, and this would be a, a piece that I could do that with. I, I believe um, – um, I will tell you, Roy, before you even read it, it's, it's going to – it may make you uncomfortable, and then again, it may not. I believe that we have to send the military there. I think we also have to – we have to say to the Mexican government, if, that, if the group does not turn, we're going to shut all 48 legal crossings, which means no people and none of your goods and services – will cross the border into the United States. That's about a billion dollars a day. And until, they, until they've turned around and gone back, there'll be no crossings, and you're going to lose a billion dollars a day in revenue, number one. Number two, I think we should take 10 miles off of the American border and create a neutral zone, and we should bring our American aircraft in and with large capacity bombs create a series of craters up and down away from the 48 points so that people have to go through hell to try and get up. Once they cross the border, we send out the National Guard, we send out the Army, the Marines, Border Customs, and we bring out buses and two-and-a-half and and five-ton trucks, and we immediately pick them up and don't bring them into the United States. We take them back down towards Mexico and, and, and a city, and we drop them off. If they come back again, this time they're arrested and they're going to be flown out of the country back to their home country. We have to stop this. And we have to stop it now. I did an interview this afternoon with a, a, a gentleman who was supporting the the right. the caravan caravan, and he yeah. said it's only four thousand people. I said, sir, no, it's not four thousand people. It's ten thousand. Mexican government. No, it's not, later than that. The Mexican government now say it's fourteen thousand. And I said to him, I said, sir, I said, what number should we not bring them in? And you know what his answer was? He didn't know of any number. Yep. Jesus, I know, Dan. We need need to wrap it up. But um, uh, real quick, uh, Josh, Dan, finish real quick, but then, Josh, let me get your quick thoughts. No, no, no. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Josh. 
Yeah, you know, just to touch on it, make sure you tune in tomorrow and read that article because, boy, that sounds like it's going to be fascinating. And we got big guests coming on tomorrow, by the way. There's some really big guests coming on, so everybody will need to tune in. Uh, Dan Perkins, please, um, uh, everybody can find you at danperkins.guru. Is that correct? Anything you want to know about Dan Perkins that's legal is is at danperkins.guru. Yep, and they can find all your articles, all your stuff, all your, and then you're, you're a big part of the Next Gen USA, which we are just still, uh, it's all getting put together, but it's up and running, but we're still adding more stuff, and, and still, it, you know, we just launched it, so, but it's fun stuff, and, and there's a lot to look forward to, and we have a lot uh, planned for the site, that's for sure, uh, with many people, um, and uh, Dan, I'm glad to have you a part of it, um, and thank you sure. for coming on. Um, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, just to wrap my social media here, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J O S H H L A V is in Victor A T Y. Absolutely, and everybody, you can always find me on my Twitter. You know where to find me at Sodder Rory. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Just type in my name, Rory Sodder. Facebook everywhere, RorySodder.tv. Uh, please visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Um, also visit TheNextGenUSA.com. That's the TheNextGenUSA.com. That's our new media site that we just launched and still putting everything together. And we have, a, like I said, we have a lot of great stuff planned that we can't wait to share with you. Um, and uh, I also want to uh, promote. Um, I got I got some other new things coming out, but I will talk about that uh, in the later episodes, which I'm very excited to to announce. Uh, but thanks to all our guests today. Uh, thanks to all my co-hosts. Um, thank you to all our sponsors. Thank you to um, our audience. We just keep growing and growing, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better. And you can, all, as always, find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, CastBox, um, iHeart. Um, you know, we're on so many different stations, Player.fm, and, uh, you, you know, we're like on over 30 like there are over 30 or 40 different podcast radio stations. I just named a few, but uh, you can find us anywhere. Um, and I want to thank, again, um, we will be with all of you tomorrow. Um, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Uh, God bless you. Cheers.